0: Hello, and welcome to Moving Markets by Julius Baer. Please listen to the important legal information at the end of this podcast.
1: Good morning, everyone. My name is Alexander Peterson, and welcome to the Moving Markets podcast. Coming up, this, coming up on this show, we have Carsten Menke, who will give us an update on copper and metals, and Nicholas Jordan, who will provide us with some insights on this week's Investment Committee meeting. But first, let's see what has happened in the markets. The big news yesterday was the release of the minutes of the U.S. Federal Reserve November meeting, which hinted that it may soon moderate the pace of interest rate increases. This is to mitigate risks of over-tightening, signaling they were leaning toward downshifting to a 50 basis point hike in December. The news resulted in the S&P 500 gaining 0.6% in regular trading, led by consumer discretionary, telecom and utilities. The Nasdaq 100 was also up by 1%, and the 10-year U.S. Treasury ended Wednesday at 3.69% yield. Turning to China. The CCP signaled more monetary stimulus, including a likely cut to the reserve requirement ratio for banks. The State Council, China's cabinet, said in a statement on Wednesday that monetary tools will be used in a timely and appropriate manner to maintain reasonable, ample liquidity. It also called on greater support for bond financing for private firms, a policy mainly targeting cash-strapped property developers. This is as China's daily COVID infections have climbed to a record high in recent days. Briefly turning to commodities. Oil held a drop as the European Union considered a higher-than-expected price cap on Russian crude. EU officials discussed setting the ceiling for Russian seaborne export at $65 to $70 a barrel. That's far higher than many expected. West Texas Intermediate Crude is down 0.3%, trading just above $77 a barrel, and gold is trading at around $1,750 an ounce. In currencies, the euros trading at 1.04 cents to the dollar, so well above parity. The Bloomberg dollar spot index fell by 0.4%, and in the digital asset world, Bitcoin is trading at around $16,680 this Thursday morning. Also in the digital asset world, the FTX saga continues with Sam Bankman-Fried saying in a tweet that he will speak with the New York Times at the publication's annual Dealbook Summit next week. With that said, what can we expect for the rest of the day? The European Central Bank publishes an account of its October policy meeting, and Sweden's Central Bank releases its new policy rate. In the US, stock and bond markets are closed for the Thanksgiving holiday. That's it for me. I'll now hand over to Karsten Menke, Head of Next Generation Research.
2: Thank you very much. Good morning. So, November was quite eventful for copper, um, following the sharp and swift rally at the beginning of the month. Copper prices have come under pressure again and are back below 8,000 US dollars per tonne. We believe both the rally as well as the retreat are mainly driven by the market mood as short-term speculative traders struggled to properly price the fundamental impact of China's recent regulatory changes. While hopes of a reopening and the relaxation of the government's zero-COVID policy initially propelled prices higher, we now see cases spiking to record levels. And this is most likely going to dent sentiment in the copper market again. The same also applies to the property market policies, which from our perspective are first and foremost intended to stabilize the struggling developers and their projects instead of stimulating the property market overall and thus metals demand. And if we look beyond these shorter term cyclical factors, which on balance remain challenging for the copper market, I would say we see a set of structural factors which should weigh on Chinese copper demand in the long term. And these include unfavorable demographics, slowing urbanization, a shift from investment to consumption-driven growth, and a focus on common prosperity. So China will move from boosting copper demand, which it did during the past 20 years, to breaking copper demand. And at the same time, we'll see that the energy transition is emerging as the most important driver of copper demand during the next two decades, in particular, the shift to electric vehicles. So EVs need 35 kilograms more than conventional cars. And given that by 2040, we believe that EVs will have a market share of 90% in terms of newly cars sold, uh, this has a major impact on copper demand. So all in all, the share of energy transition-related copper demand, also including um, solar and wind is set to increase from about 7.5% today to almost 20% in 2040. And that should offset the China factor, which I mentioned before. If we then add in evidence of a slowdown in mine supply growth during the next decades due to a slowdown in spending uh, during the past few years, we believe that the copper market is about to enter a period of structural tightness. So all in all, this should push prices back above 10,000 US dollars per tonne and potentially beyond in the longer term. So how to play this? Well, generally, we see prices below $8,000 per tonne as a good buying opportunity, even though a short term and sharp rally is is not imminent, given the cyclical challenges we see in China. So it's a little bit of a wait and see situation, but the long term picture is very clear for us. So that's it on copper from my side. Uh, Back to you, Alexander. Thank you very much, Carsten.
1: Next up, we have Nicholas Jordan from CIO Strategy and Investment Analysis with
0: an Investment Committee update. Over to you, Nicholas. Thank you, Alex. And good morning, everyone. Well, this week, the IC continued its discussion about the FANGs and the possible end of their leadership on global stock markets. While they have created massive shareholder value over the past decade, We are slowly seeing a shift towards assets that benefit from inflation, as we believe we're going to witness structurally higher price increases going forward. The main problem the US big tech companies are facing is their ever increasing cost base. Back in the days when the FANGs saw their revenues grow by double digits every year, reducing costs was obviously not really a priority. Now that revenue growth has slowed down quite substantially, cost discipline is of the utmost importance. So what does that mean for the future? Well, companies such as Amazon, Meta or Microsoft have already started to cut jobs in recent weeks. This is not only healthy in our view, but also crucial, this development. But this alone won't be enough to bring them back to the top of the equity market in the coming years. On the other side, this doesn't mean that the fangs should be completely ignored or have no place in portfolios going forward. It is likely that the majority of them will be able to transition from incredible growth companies to solid, mature quality companies who can provide long-term value to investors' portfolios. So the million-dollar question for us now, of course, is who will take over the equity market leadership in the unfolding decade? Well, as we don't have a crystal ball, unfortunately, we won't be able to answer this question with certainty. But we are currently trying to find answers to this as part of our Secular Outlook discussions. So stay tuned for more information in the coming weeks. That's all from my side. Back to you, Alex. Thank you very much, Nicholas. And that's
1: all for today. Thank you for tuning in. Please join us again tomorrow. Goodbye for now.
0: The information and opinions expressed in this podcast constitute marketing material and are not the result of independent financial or investment research. Please refer to wwwjuliusbearcom forward slash legal forward slash podcasts for further other important legal information. Wealth Insights is a podcast series where Julius Bear experts discuss topics from a wealth management perspective. Whether it's starting a business, preparing for retirement or transferring wealth to the next generation, our experts provide answers to the relevant questions. Available now on all good platforms, search for Wealth Insights on your favourite podcast player.